Good afternoon and welcome to the Dumb News Podcast with your host, Johnny Phillips, alongside Sean Clappers via WhatsApp on this Saturday, October 31st, 2020, sharing with you our thoughts on current events. And while all the kids are doped up on sugar tonight, thinking about Halloween, Sean, a lot of adults, a lot of Americans are obviously focusing on the election of 2020, which is coming up in a couple of days. And I thought, obviously, we'd break down the show today into three parts, giving a good case for why voters should vote for Joe Biden. Secondly, giving a good case for why voters should vote for Donald Trump. And of course, the third part is kind of our reflection, our reflection, Sean, on the year of 2020 for the past 10 months and some of our predictions that we might have in store, obviously, for the next two months. And so with that said, Sean, why vote for Joe Biden? And Anyone out there listening? The yeah, there you go. You already showed your bias right off the bat. Way to go. So, so. It's okay. All right. All right. So, right out of the gate. Right off. Right off the bat. So, so one of the things that I looked at, and I'm making the case mm-hmm. to vote for Joe Biden. It's the fact that yes, he's boring. Yes, he's uncharismatic. And yes, he's uninteresting. Mm-hmm. But guess what? Right now in America, maybe, just maybe, a boring, uncharismatic, uninteresting, lifelong politician just might be what we need. And I know what people are thinking. They want grandiose stuff. They want the big tweet. They want the packed house. They want to hear that speaker on the platform in the big name and everyone just kind of turn that person into a demagogue. But a reason to vote for Joe Biden to me is a reason to vote for someone who's boring, uncharismatic, uninteresting, someone who most likely will be faced with the Republican Senate, who will have to be a moderate whether they like it or not, because of the, and, and, and a man who's actually used to being a moderate because he's had to work in the legislature for 47 years. I have a couple of, I have a couple of issues. I've heard the word, well, people don't like establishment. Well, what does establishment mean? Establishment means you're established. What does it mean to be established? It means that you've had to develop some type of reputation, whether you like it or not, okay, over the past 47 years. And you can't stay in politics, Sean, for 47 years unless you've done some things right. And I know people are going to say maybe, oh, but he's been corrupt for 47 years. Well, if he's been corrupt for 47 years, then the United States of America has been corrupt for 47 years. And I look back at the last 47 years, and I know that we've had, we haven't had it perfect, but I'm just looking at some of the technological advances we've made, some of the advances we've made in civil rights, and I'm looking at the last 47 years, Sean, and I'm saying, you know, we've actually made some progress on some issues. Despite the doom and gloom, the apocalyptic feel, he's been in office for 47 years, and America's still afloat. And I know sure. people want the charismatic, the polarizing guy who gets up there or the girl who gets up there and gets the tweets and gets the likes and the media loves it. And they put the pictures all over the place for people to see and everyone wants to hear what they have to say and they go away from the rallies being like, yeah, that guy inspired me. Well, you know, we have enough of that stuff. We have something called TikTok and Facebook and Instagram. We have enough avenues right now to catch our attention and to be entertained. And quite frankly, why you should vote for Joe Biden is because he is going to be boring, because he's not charismatic, and he's not going to promise radical freedom. And I'm, and I'm here to say that he's not going to produce a booming economy. 
He's going to create a stability. He's a chill pill versus Trump the amphet and amphetamine. And right. right now, right now, looking at all the things that are going on with COVID, with everything that we are facing, maybe a chill pill is exactly what we need. And with that said, Sean, I'm going to pass the invisible microphone over you. Over to you. Yeah, that's um, that's probably the strongest argument that I could marshal to to vote for Joe Biden. It's essentially people. You know, this year has been horrible uh, for pretty much everyone. Um, you know, unless you're a homebody who loves, who is is very happy just to stay at home all day and avoid people, then this is your year. But uh, I think most people want a kind of a return to normalcy and they view Joe Biden as the, the Obama days, which were, you know, pretty stable for most people. It, it's a return to normalcy. People associate Joe Biden with Barack Obama yes. and um, things, you know, Barack Obama still remains a popular figure in politics. Yep. Um, so I think people kind of hearken back to that those days pre-Trump before, you know, before the president was basically flaming people on Twitter and, you know, pointing people out and calling them out by name and being kind of a firebrand. A lot of people really like that because, you know, Trump is essentially like kind of uh, setting fire to the system and, and ruffling a lot of feathers. But a lot of people don't like that. They prefer their politics to be boring and they prefer that uh, things to be a little bit more civil and a little bit more milk toast and bland because that essentially informs the uh informs the sentiment of the country and you know if things are a little bit more boring a little bit more bland people are are less likely to be at their at each other's throats and you know rioting in the streets and, and what right. have you so i i, right. I would see that people really really want to see a very down you know kind of middle of the road establishment politician taking over right. uh, and, and trying to get us back into some sense of mm, normalcy or... Yeah, or no, you, you said it right. I, I think you made a really good point when you said return to normalcy because even though people will debate whether that was normal or not when Obama was elected and he obviously chose Vice President Joe Biden to be his vice president, um, when you look at what happened, people can make the argument those weren't the greatest eight years of our society. But you can't say that those were the worst eight years of our society. Okay? Right. You know, that's my argument, is that people want to throw Obama under the bus. And you can, you can say all you want about how you don't like him. Look, the bottom line is, is over his past eight years, the housing market went up. Jobs went up. Unemployment went down. For the most part, we had a decent relationship with Western Europe and NATO and the right. EU. And you can, people can make all of these accusations against against Barack Obama, but those things don't lie. And the fact is they had a lower trade deficit. There was a lower trade deficit with China, okay, the country that Trump was supposed to take on and go to war with and make our trade deficit fall apart. Instead, it's risen astronomically under his administration. So I find it fascinating that the one thing in which you're supposed to use as an indication on how well you're playing against China on the trade situation uh, you're losing that battle. But I don't want the first set part to be really the anti-Trump part of our podcast. It's more of a pro-Biden. I will say this. Someone might make the argument to us and say, yeah, John, but you know for a fact that the San Francisco wing of 
the Democrat politics is going to drive the boat. And I'd say, well, okay, but when was the last time we heard that? You know when we heard that? We heard that from Republicans when Barack Obama was elected. You know what we heard, Sean? He was a socialist. He was a communist. He was a Marxist. And then after eight years, I looked back and I said, that's interesting because did, did we get rid of private health care? No. Did we nationalize our oil industry? No. Did we make taxes 50% for Americans? No. I'm just looking back, Sean, at those eight years and saying this guy that you proclaimed was a socialist, a communist, he was going to turn this country into a banana republic. It, did, it didn't happen. And so, again, people want to point to the fact that, oh, no, this time it's for real. The communists are going to take over. That, you know, oh, okay, the last time you said that, you might, have had some, you might have had some legitimacy. Now, here we go again. The same socialism's taking over America, communism taking over America. This time we really mean it. This time it's for real. I'm t- you sound like a broken record. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, yeah, that that's that's definitely part of the argument. Sorry, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, sorry about that. I would say that's definitely part of the argument, the pro Biden argument, is that yeah, this is uh, you know uh, America didn't nationalize or the government American government didn't nationalize the economy, and I mean that's obviously you know Obama didn't run on a socialist platform; he just ran as a as a middle of the road kind of center left Democrat. And that's sort of where Joe Biden's also lies. And I think a lot of people find comfort in that, in that they kind of know what they're going to expect. They're going to expect the same establishment politics, which has, has both well for a lot of people. I mean, they, you know, they've seen their paychecks grow or they've seen their, their uh, entitlements increase because of this. Yeah. And so, you know, like I said, also, another thing that's important, I think, is, is important to, pl- to, to point out is that if Biden wins, CNN is going to have to figure out something else to talk about because it's literally just tr- Trump is bad 24-7. And you have all of these hacks in mainstream media like Rachel Maddow and, you know, Brian Stelter and Chris Cuomo, who literally all they do, Don Lemon, all they, all they do is just rail against Trump all day long, all day, every day. If Biden wins, they're all going to have to go back to st- actually writing material, talking about things other than Trump, right. actually talking about issues. And you know what? I don't think they have the ability to do that. And that means that they're going to be pushed aside and somebody new is going to come in who's going to have to actually put the work in. Do, 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 right. are you, you know what I mean? Well, and a lot of people say Trump saved the media because what you yeah, had happened in, I mean. in, yeah, I mean. in, in 2016, you had some very interesting things happening. Podcasts were taking off. People's attention spans were going down. The whole idea of mainstream stuff was kind of on its way out. And in comes, yeah. in comes Trump, and he's a big story. And I think the reality is, I think why Trump is going to hold on to that White House, even if there's controversy and people are saying to step down, is because he knows that they're not going to stop. He knows that the next stop is him. And they're not going to just say, Trump had for four years. He knows his guts. I think his gut and his instincts say, they're coming after me. And I have to use as much leverage as I possibly can uh, to put myself in a position to survive. And I mean survive. Uh, I don't see for one second, once Democrats, if they do, which I don't think they will, but if they do 
have power? Are they just going to say, you know, Trump at the end of the day wasn't too bad. We were kind of tough on him. And you know what? We, we will always have a relationship with him. It's not going to finish. They will go after him because they need a story. And so Trump will stay in the news whether he is the elected president of the United States or he is not. And I want to be very clear about this. A clear elector, elect, clearly elected uh, or not elected in, uh, for, um, for this upcoming, upcoming election. Um, I, I, just, I just can't believe, Sean, and again, a reason why you would vote for Biden is the amount of items that the Democrats have to point out that Trump never fulfilled his promises. So I hope people understand that, like, when it comes down to spending, I've said this on the show before, Sean, Barack Obama is a libertarian compared to Trump. And so I think it's very interesting that people often like to throw around the socialist label when it comes down to Kamala Harris. But no one wants to talk about Donald Trump's socialism. At the end of the day, what is socialism? Socialism is having the government take control over certain parts of society. And obviously there's, there's different types of socialism. There's different extremes of socialism. But you cannot, with a straight face, say that Donald Trump has never partook in socialist policies. The, I mean, just in March, Sean, just in March, what did he do? He, he bailed out private companies, specifically the airlines. That is not a conservative slash Republican slash libertarian slash independent slash moderate Democrat Republican thing to do. That is a socialist policy that he adapted. And so I think part of the problem Trump has, but no one seemed to point it out, is the fact that he's partook, he has partaked, partaken in these policies in which the right has claimed are only policies that the left supports. Mm, right. Well, listen, Jack, let me jump in right there. Yes. If, if you're saying that Obama was more economically libertarian, I got I to gotta point out that this giant bank bailout in the, in the, in the wake of the 2008 uh, housing crisis and this huge stimulus that kept these banks together, uh, the, the two big-to-fail banks... But while I would say that Trump certainly has is guilty of, and I guess he would call it protectionism, essentially American protectionism of American jobs, because let's face it, I mean, he, this is the thing. He's a progressive conservative, you know, he's, he, or I, I wouldn't even call him a conservative progressive Republican. Uh, I, I wouldn't call him a conservative. He's very much a, uh, a, a pro, I wouldn't say isolationist. I, I feel he's a pragmatic. He's very pragmatic who poses as a radical. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, you know, he's my friend's a Machiavellian, Machiavellian type. So he's not fiscally conservative. He's not fiscally careful with any of this stuff. He's very much a you got to spend money to make money type of guy. Mm-hmm. And that's his short term, you know, that's his short term view, essentially. Um, well, and then, I'll, I'll let you finish. Well, I was going to say, my argument to him is the government doesn't know how to make, can't make money. You know? Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I mean, I agree. I, I agree with you. And that works in the private sector. But mm-hmm. the, the government can't produce jobs. The government yeah. can't produce money. What people have yeah. to understand is government takes money. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't produce yeah. money. It, it redistributes money. It, it redistributes. And, and you can make, and I will make the argument that there is a need for that. But this idea 
that Trump, and I agree with you actually, I think he thinks that way. I think he actually looks at the Federal Reserve and is like, oh yeah, this is like a private bank and uh, we just yeah, spend a lot of money. Yeah, yeah it's Yeah, it, we're going to invest. We're going to invest in America and, and invest right. in the government. And and obviously right. he's he's done some things that are questionable. Um, I, I will just say this to wrap up the 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 reason and, and the strongest case I can make for why people should vote for Joe Biden. I like how you said it was a return for normalcy. But I think we also have to look at Trump and we also have to say enough is enough. And when I mean enough is enough is I think the argument could be made is I've had it. Kind of this fatigue. Kind of this, oh my gosh, can the reality show just stop? Can we stop with the tweets? Can we stop with the controversy? Can we stop with the trolling? Okay. Right. Now right. we're going to get into the other side because the other side has a legitimate defense for what I just said and for what all I said. Okay. I just, mm-hmm. I'm just trying to go into the mind of a Biden voter. And I, I want to, in an unbiased situation, really look at, and we, you and I have friends, we have family members that are going to vote for Joe Biden. And oh, yes, they're many. great people. They're people that would take a bullet for us. They're people who would invite us over for dinner and have, have us stay with them for a month and feed us and clothe us and all that stuff. And so they're not people who are insane. They're not people who hate this country. They're not people who are all the things that other people have called those type of people who are going to vote for Joe Biden. And so I, I, I try to look the I, I try to see the world the way they see the world and see politics the way they see politics. And I think they just have had enough. Yeah. And, and I think they're just saying, let's go with the 47-year career uh, politician. He has his right. network. He's established for a reason, which means he's got to have some type of credibility in the political sphere. Is he corrupt? Sure, he's made corrupt moves. But Donald Trump's done the exact same thing in business. And we just seem to look the other way. So they're both corrupt in many ways. So that's kind of my wrap-up. For taking the mind of why people would vote for Joe Biden, I will say if Joe Biden wins, and I do not think he will win this election, if he wins, it will come out of fear. And it's going to come because I think there are specifically women out there who just see good old Joe. The women out there, they see good old Trump, they see good old Joe, and they see a little bit of crazy Trump. And I think they're going to vote for good old Joe if he wins the election. The question is, will they go that way? And so I'll let you have the last word on why you would make or can make the case to vote for Joe Biden. Yeah, yeah, um, that's a good that's a good point. I mean, I, I guess that's kind of the crux of the issue is return to normalcy, a feeling of normalcy. And this is the thing, Johnny, a lot of people... Most people, I'd say, don't vote based on policies. They vote based on personality. Right. And you know, most pe- and most people who are anti-Trump, they're they're not saying, "Oh, I don't really like his tax policy in this sector." Mm. No, they're saying, "I don't." He's a racist. He says mean stuff. Yeah. And that's their argument. That's their argument. So they see Joe Biden. They say, "Oh, this is an old grandpa. Sure, yes. he has dementia, but he doesn't. Yes. He doesn't say anything." He doesn't say anything mean yes. about so and so on Twitter. Yes, you know. So I, I would say that that is the that that is probably the 
main the main pillar of an argument that someone can can marshal for in favor of Joe Biden. You know, another thing that I would I would say, and this with this I think I can pivot to the other other side to to the inverse of this, but it's that John cancel culture has been destroying American American popular culture and just American has been wringing the neck of American culture for years now. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. So I would say that. For, for people, and I think everybody at this point hates cancel culture, even people on the left, they've realized that it's they're essentially eating their own uh, when they see how many celebrities and, and comedians and actors and actresses are tarred and feathered by their own people for saying something that was unwoke 10 years ago and, and essentially losing, lo- you know, losing their jobs, losing their livelihoods because of that, right? Right. So, you know, I would say that a lot of them would see, okay, if Joe Biden gets into the Oval Office, the left, the, the, the kind of radical social justice left, they will view that as some kind of a symbolic victory. And they will, many of them, many of those the keyboard warriors will pipe down because now there will be no orange man for them to rant against. And there will be no, there will be no avatar for quote unquote whites, white male, white supremacy that they view Trump as and right. they won't goes so hard essentially against people who don't share their views because they won't have too much ammunition against that. That seems to be, you know, Joe Biden gets in, seems like it's a possibility that cancel culture and this kind of loud bombastic left will shut up a little bit because, Oh, well, okay, well we got, we got, we got someone, we got someone, right? Right. The inverse, the inverse of that is that I'm afraid and I, I, I don't think it will appease them. I think it will be like Hitler at Munich. Chamberlain gives him the Sudetenland, and then he just wants more and more right. and more. Right. And I think that I think that these people, once they smell blood, they don't stop. Correct. And you see this. You see this with, for example, Louis C.K. Right. Right. Louis C.K. Uh, always has been a left wing, left leaning uh, 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 comedian. Right. And did some naughty things, and uh, uh, had had some weird sexual kinks, and a couple of comedian uh, female comedians later later came out and spoke about it and said, "Yeah, we, we felt a little uncomfortable when right. he did that." He comes out and says, "I'm very sorry. I, you know, I feel bad about it. I feel bad about what I did." And you know what that did? Him apologizing, it made it worse for him because they attacked him relentlessly. And when you see celebrities or or any any type of personalities ignore these kind of ridiculous claims on them you know uh, for for doing something naughty 10 years ago that maybe hurt somebody's feelings maybe triggered somebody when they ignore it it goes away usually the heat goes away because the mob is looking they're out for blood and if you put up your dukes you know it's like it's kind of like if you're being stalked by a pack of wolves bloodthirsty wolves and you show a little bit of aggression and you show them that you're you know you can fight back they probably won't mess with you but if you show that you're weak and you try to appease them they're going to rip you apart they're going to tear you to ribbons that is how these people operate so i think that that ultimately would backfire but anyway i'm gonna i'm gonna let you go off and and, uh tell me what your response on that is no i agree i think one of the things that came to mind when you said cancel culture lately, um, it's not the reason why I will bring up who, who I decide, who I will be deciding to vote for. 
mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it really did catch my mind, and I, I'm sure you already have seen it in the news. Uh, I think one of the most fascinating, important journalists of our time Glenn is Greenwald. Glenn, Glenn Greenwald. Right? Uh, yeah. I Prince. never, I'll never forget, I'll tell my son yeah. about this, when he broke the story about Edward Snowden. And mm. it was a long, it was just at the perfect time when this happened because I'm reading a lot of Ron Paul literature. And right. I, I, I knew about what government, I started to learn about how government was using some of their powers to do some things that were quote unquote, you know, unconstitutional. But there wasn't right. anything in the news that really could, you know, catch your attention and say, wow, that was to me a very big event. I thought yeah. he did a very brave, a very courageous thing. And to see the, the paper the company in which he helped build right. pretty much turn their back on him mm. because he wouldn't think like them right is really right. really unfortunate and it's one of what people will i think go down in history as one of the many reasons why long term this movement on the left will eventually falter now, when that happens, I don't know. But people who act like that, who shut down speech, who shut down people who think differently than other people, they don't last. And when I mean they don't last, I don't mean something bad happens to them. I'm saying that spirit of resentment and that spirit of, of, of dismissal and cancel culture eventually yeah. eats itself yeah. and there, until there is no spirit. And right. so I think that's my, that's my big thought on that. Um, I think it does play a big role. I think one of the surprising things that will happen in this election, Sean, is that I actually believe Trump will get more youth votes than he did in 2016 because of that very so reason. Um, and, and so anyway, that, that was my kind, of, my kind of thought. I want you, I started off uh, talking, I started off with the case for Joe Biden. If, if I were to ask you, Sean, you're, you're somebody and you're asked a question and the question is, why should I vote for Donald Trump? What's your answer? You're asking me why? Yeah. <laughs> like, give me, a case, so, give me a case for why I should vote for Donald Trump. Okay. So, wow, this, this is, I wish I could wrap this up quickly, but there's so much to say about this. Um, this has been my kind of ascent or descent or whatever you want to call it from someone who in 2016, when he found out the result, when I found out the results of the election, I had a low level panic attack. I woke, I was in Spain. I woke up to the news. Donald Trump takes, you know, takes the, takes the presidency. So, you know, is in a, in a huge upset. I was flabbergasted you know i kind of went through a low level anxiety attack i was like oh my god you know what's what's happening to my country what's and then i took a step back and i said to myself all right well we'll see what happens you know and i saw that all of this stuff that trump was uh, i saw that there was an income incongruency between the media and between trump's actual what he was actually doing what he was actually saying you know right and I started to uncover what was going on. I said, okay, what we have here 
is someone who has never... Why I was scared was because it was different from something that we've ever had. It was completely different, right? That was the root of my fear. And a lot of people, I let go of that fear eventually when I saw, okay, this seems like a pretty like moderate, uh, 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 politically pretty moderate, moderate, I mean, socially pretty liberal. He walked into office being pro-gay marriage. I don't think people realize that. He's the first president ever to step into office as on a pro-gay marriage platform, voicing support for gay Americans. This is, I mean, and he said this even at the Pulse nightclub shooting, which is a gay nightclub. Right. And I remember listening to that speech and he was like, you know, the, the gay community is a pillar of American culture. Like he said that. And I'm thinking to myself, how can anybody say this guy is homophobic or hates gay people? Like it, 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 it it's really like beyond me when he says stuff like that in support of the gay community. It's like, I could not imagine George Bush or even Bill Clinton or even Barack Obama saying stuff like that, at least, you know, until Barack you know, later on in his presidency, when it was more gay and trans issues were coming to the fore. But it's like, Donald Trump is just saying this off the cuff. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you hear him saying things. And then and then I read, you know, New York Times and CNN and, you know, um, The Atlantic. I like The Atlantic a lot, The Guardian. And it's like, this is not, these are two different universes that they're, we're occupying. Right. So and, and, and specifically, I think because I was in Spain so a lot of that time and I kind of saw things being distilled through a different, uh, a different, a different lens, essentially. Right. And I saw that there was all these things that didn't match up. And I said, oh, you know, I mean, they're they're making Trump out to be like a demon, like a fascist. Right. But I mean, the worst things that he's doing are yelling at people. That's right. it. He's firing people a lot and he's yelling at people and he's kind of a, he's kind of a character. Right. And this is the thing is that the, the, the biggest change is that he's just not a politician. He's just a guy. He's a, he's a businessman. He does this. So I would say reasons to vote for Trump. The establishment hates the man. The, 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 the Republican establishment, he was calling out Jeb Bush. He was called low energy Jeb. He went after people, which shows me that he's not afraid of the, of the Republican establishment. And they hate him. Lindsey Graham hates him, right? The establishment hates Trump, right? The Democratic yeah. establishment hates Trump. The Republican establishment hates Trump. And the establishment are the ones who have been in power for decades and decades, right? Yeah. And when the left likes to point out systemic racism and institutional racism and oppression, they have to look no further than Joe Biden's 1994 crime bill. Right? If you're against this systemic oppression, then damn it, you should be for Trump because he's trying to tear that system down. Right. But the question there is, has it really been that bad over the past 20 years? I mean, the devil's advocate would say, mm -hmm. you know, to tear down the establishment. But is, has life in America really been that bad over the past 20 years? I think that's the I, question, right? I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't say it's nearly as bad as, as the left wants to make it out to be. Yeah. But for sure, for sure, if you look at America's cities, you'll see a growth in economic inequality. And John, these are all progressive Democrat-run cities. Right. Look at L.A., look at Seattle, look at Portland. The homeless population is through the roof insane. 
Right. And these are the wokest, most progressive, most wealthy cities in America. And yet I can't believe more and more people on the left, and they probably are, they're looking and scratching their heads and going, what the hell is going on? And then their leaders blame Donald Trump. And it's like, wait a minute, he's been in office for three, four years. He's not even a politician. You guys have been running the show for decades now. And look at how there's human shit all over San Francisco, right? right. I mean, there's... It, it, it's it's at a point where Chicago, there are thousands of murders a year. I mean, it's it, it's obscene and absurd. And you see people talking, you see the left talking about, and you know, left wing politicians talking about police brutality and the police shootings of black people. Okay, I don't want to see that. But what is the what, black people are thousands of times more likely to be killed by someone in their own neighborhood in a high crime area in a city like New York or Chicago or LA or Detroit or Philly, right. they have much higher chances of being victimized by crime, by criminals right. than by cops. And that right. is a statistical fact through right. and through. Right, right. So. No, I mean, you said a lot of stuff there. I, I think it starts for me going back to 2016 and I say at that time, we did a show a couple of months ago and we talked about a growing unrest, a growing unrest in all of Western civilization. And it, and it was a frustration with multinational corporations and global governing bodies. Right. There was this disconnect that large central powers at bay had with local culture. And this was growing. And growing, I would argue it began after 1989, the fall of the Soviet Union, because after that year, you have the WTO come in, you have NAFTA, little by little, you have the war on terror, and obviously we know about the National Security Agency and the NSA and the abuse of power that it had during that, you know, and how it used that as an excuse to obviously, again, use more and more of its power to do things that are not necessarily in the best interest of the of the rights of its citizens, there was this and is this great frustration, Sean, with a multinational corporation and governing body. And what, what's fascinating about this, it's not just felt in America. My wife's from Serbia. I have contact with her friends. They feel it there. They feel this idea that their soul of their country is being pounced on by foreign entities and foreign groups and foreign governments that do not really genuinely care about the people of that country. They just right. care about the people of that country as long as it benefits, they play ball. as yeah. long as they play ball and it benefits them first and the country second. Of and course. this has been growing for a couple of years, not just a couple of years, many years, and I think you hit 2016 and people said enough is enough. Now, that's internationally why people have beef internationally. Globally, I've always looked at it and I will look at it the exact same way in 2020. The bottom line is there are Americans who are tired. And I'm going to say this very clearly. They are tired of being told by coastal elites by coastal elites to go to college, get educated, leave the Bible on the bookshelf, and learn to code. Yeah, yeah, learn to code. That's they're, they're tired, Sean. 
they're they're tired of it. They're tired of being called xenophobic for denouncing illegal immigration. Right. They're tired of reading about toxic masculinity and seeing videos on you know systemic racism and hearing about all the different ways that America sucks. They're yeah. just tired. And so I think you made a good point before. I don't think people are pulling the lever on Tuesday because of tax cuts, deregulation, health care. People are pulling the lever because of cultural issues. That is why people are pulling the lever. And and that is something that, uh, that Trump, if he wins on Tuesday, people will go down. He will go down in history as I believe his greatest accomplishment is taking cultural issues and instead of pushing them under the rug like so many Republicans did in the past, he put them front and center and said, game on. And that is why I think people are going to vote for Donald Trump. That is why I can understand why people want to vote for Donald Trump. Look, the bottom line is there's one party and there's no denying this, Sean, that believes at its core America is systemically racist and imperialist. The other party believes that America is systemically open and engaging with the world. And they both, they actually will both agree with that statement. The core, I'm saying the core, what really drives both parties. Mm. And I'm sorry, America is systemically an open and engaging society. And you know yeah, what? I'm always you gonna, shouldn't apologize for that. And I'm not going to apologize for that. And you know what? One 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 party is very embraces patriotism in borders. The other one is ashamed of it. Yeah. And the fact that we live in a country where there is a party out there in America that says it loves this country but is ashamed of patriotism, ashamed of the flag, like always like, you know, when... when when the flag comes up, they're like, oh, should I salute it? Should I say the, right, should I right, say right. the should national I, should anthem? I should I, should I kneel? Like, should I say the Pledge of Allegiance? I really don't know how I'm supposed to feel about this. Oh, borders. Are we so supposed to? I, I know we need borders, but I really, I'm, I'm, do we have to talk yeah. about borders? And I think it's that simple, Sean. I think it's that simple. And I think Donald Trump will win this election because he's made this a cultural election versus a political election. Right. Well, so that's a very good point you make. And like you said, News media is run by coastal elites. That's just simply corporate legacy media. Maybe not independent, you you know, YouTubers or podcasters. They're all over the place. But corporate media, New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, it's all corporate, right? And they have an elitist attitude, all of them. And so their attitudes towards something very important, immigration, which is something that Trump leaned, leaned really hard into in 2016. That touched a lot of people because a lot of people in the Midwest have seen the economy get flipped on its head because of illegal immigration, because you have this giant pool of illegal immigrants, undocumented workers coming in and basically can work for slave wages, essentially. And they dilute the worker pool, the labor pool. And everyone on the coasts, they say, well, you racist, you just hate Mexicans. Meanwhile, all the Mexicans are making their sushi you know and they're, and they're yeah i love mexicans and they you know these illegal right. guatemalans and mexicans are working for slave slave wages cleaning their mansions right, right. so right. this is kind of regular americans saw this and they 
community. You don't have to worry about MS-13. You don't have to worry about cartels. You don't have to worry about this nonsense coming over from Mexico. And I say this as a person who has been to Mexico six times. I love it there. The people are wonderful there. It's a beautiful culture. But the government is a mess. There's rife with corruption. The cartel wars are basically like a war zone. It's 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 a very bad situation, and it, it breaks my heart because it's a wonderful place. So I completely understand and support anyone who is trying to crack down on illegal immigration, which also brings with it human trafficking, drug trafficking, and weapons trafficking. And right. that's the dark cloud that the Democrats and the left don't like to talk about. Right. Human trafficking is a huge issue huge issue that the UN has spoken about, many uh, uh, NGOs have spoken about, and yet the, the Democrats don't like talking about it. But Trump is leaning into that as well. And I think that that is going to resonate with a lot of regular Americans. And the Democrats have been pretty silent about it. And I think it's, 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 gonna, it's damning to them because regular Americans, they, I mean, they care about that stuff. Right, right. And they want to be heard, and they don't want to be yeah. kind of put down and be called a deplorable, yeah. and be That's called uh, they, be called they, uh, they, be called a throwback who just kind of clings to their guns and religion. And, and, and another very elitist thing that you know that Barack Obama said. It's like, listen, dude, you know this was the the Obama coalition who voted for him. You know, he kind of turned their backs on them. And you have all of these coastal elites saying, and listen, I say this, I lived in New York for a long time, right? A lot of people right. call me an elitist. I would call myself an elitist in many, many ways. But I don't look down my nose at the people who grow my food, you know? Right. I don't look down my nose at the people to get stuff to the supermarkets. I don't look down on those people in the least bit. Maybe right. I used to, you know? Right. But that was, you know, it's, it's like calling someone a racist because they are critical of illegal immigration is absolutely ridiculous. Right. And Trump has been straw man into, oh, he hates immigrants. It's like he never said anything about legal immigrants. My wife is a legal immigrant. I live in Spain. I'm a legal immigrant in Spain. I support the paths to and, you know, and well drawn out and clear paths to legal citizenship and legal uh, uh, legal uh, residency. That's great. Whenever. Whenever a coastal liberal praises sanctuary cities for illegal immigrants, that's a slap in the face to everyone who came to this country Correct. legally and worked hard Correct. to come into this country legally. And may that's I say, Sean, the, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's even a bigger slap in the face to people who come from those countries who came the right way. That's what I mean. Yeah. That, you, you come in and you say, listen, there's a way of doing things. You don't just sneak into the country and then start leeching off of the system and then uh, be taken advantage of essentially and and like and uh, uh water down the, the labor pool and totally screw up the tax base and the economy you don't do that no you right. have to go by this legally you have you have to right no it's 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 a fair point to make um i think a big mistake that democrats made after 2016 is they doubled down i I always say, and I've said this on the podcast before, when you lose, a good loser is honest. They yeah. look back and they say, what did we do wrong? And we fix yeah. it. We don't make excuses that there was collusion between the referee and the player when there's no evidence yeah. to suggest otherwise, right? You look at yourself internally and you say, 
what did I do wrong? What could yeah. have I done better? And I don't think that right. Democrats ever did this. And I know even if Biden wins, Democrats would say to me, oh, see, John, ha, your your whole analysis of, this, uh, analysis of us was wrong. No, you might have won the battle, but you haven't won the war. You know, I strongly believe Tuesday is just a battle. The war is the next 10 years. And I'm sorry, if you want to win any war, when you lose a battle, instead of making excuses, being resentful, blaming people with no evidence, okay, you should be looking at yourself internally and cleaning up your own room. And, and I, will, I will leave with this. It's interesting. I don't know. Can you vote, Sean, or no? You know, I, Helen and I, we, uh, we went online and we found out that we missed the, uh, we're not registered because we've been out of the country for a while. So we're not, so we had to re-register and we missed the deadline for, for registering. So You're lucky. You know, so now you don't have to go on record on this podcast to tell everyone who you voted for. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What's so fascinating I mean, I, you know, about I me. I would have liked, I would have liked the vote, you know? So. So I have a funny, I don't have a funny story. It's just a story. I know for a lot of this podcast, I was apathetic. And I, but as you know, I have a son and over the past couple of months, I, I could not help to see in the literature that I read and the culture that I was surrounded with a wussification of society. And I know people would think like if I say like I'm voting for Trump, which I am, by the way, I will go on record as saying it. I'm not scared. I'm not ashamed. I also don't think that he's going to do anything really spectacular. And I'm not really excited for him. And I'm not really like love the guy or to be really honest, I am still apathetic about whatever happens. I think our country will be fine. Um, but I actually started to witness more and more the wussification of our society and most people would say oh john you know you read the news you you listen and pay attention to a lot of politics you've done this now for about a strong decade from 20 to 32 being very active reading literature you must you must have this really sophisticated reason why you're voting for trump and the reality is sean i don't the, rea yeah. the, the reality is I would disappoint a lot of people. They would expect me to come up with this very intelligent, sophisticated reason for voting for him. And the reality is I'm voting for him for one reason. And the one reason is I believe at his core, in his identity, he... Uh -huh. He respects and understands the importance of masculinity while Biden supports the wussification of America. There you go, wow, that's Sean. A, that's that's a very, it. That's a very bold statement to make. And, which, <laughs> so, which, listen, Johnny, I agree. I do agree. So, but I thought about it. I'm like, I'm like I could, I could with, I'm sorry for my language. I could bullshit you right now and I could be like, well... I know this podcast is going to be recorded and everyone's going to know what I said. And I was very I was very temp I was very tempted to say I'm going to put forward a very sophisticated response either to vote for Biden or Trump and therefore no one will really crucify me. But I said, right. "You know what, John? Really at your subconscious after the last couple of months, you can kind of listen to your gut and like you can try to deny the fact that you don't want Trump to win or that you don't want to put your name next to I voted for Trump. 
But deep down, yeah. deep down in that subconscious, you hate the fact that we're becoming a wuss society. And deep down, yeah. you, you know that having a three-year-old son to raise him around a bunch of wusses and to not teach mm-hmm. him strong, traditional masculinity. Look, you and I are not tough guys. I'm not Mr. Alpha. But at mm-hmm. least the one thing I will say is there is room for those people in our society. One, one of the things I've always said about this election, and I have to be very careful with what I say so that I'm not taken out of context. Mm. When it comes down to places, when it comes down, when it comes down to times like this where we're mostly at peace, we're not at war right now mm. with other countries. The masculine side of society could be could be embraced by men or women, by the way, mm-hmm. is underplayed. And Sean, it's only when the barbarians are at the gates does the feminine part of society, could be male, could be female, wake up and say, oh man, you know that 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 masculine part of society that we chastised and we boxed and yeah. we shunned and we canceled? Uh, we got a problem and we need, we them. need them. And we, we need, need them. them. And you know what, Sean? You see that right now in Western Europe. You say you see a massive demasculinization of that society over the past 20, 30 years. And Absolutely. now, guess what? Guess what, Sean? You got barbarians at the gates. You got a culture that doesn't respect your secular society. And guess what? Where's your men? Where's masculinity more specifically? Because masculinity can come from the females too. Okay? I know. Yeah. And as much as I would love to give you a sophisticated response, Sean, I'm, res- yeah. I'm voting for the guy who respects and understands the importance of masculinity. And that's, yeah. that's all I got for you. I'm sorry to disappoint yeah, yeah. you. That's a, that junk, I mean, that's, but that's a very powerful statement. And, and, I'll, and I'll, 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 I'll tell you, you know, Donald Trump, and I've thought about this a lot, as I've been in Europe, you know, England, have you ever, you ever watched like the House of Lords or, or Parliament? Yes. you ever watched them argue with each other? Yes. Donald Trump would fit right in with them. Right. Right? Right. They're calling each other, you, you are just a tool of this system. And, you know, and they're like, they're, they're calling each other names. And you know, if you ever read accounts of like colonial America, they did the same thing. Oh, right. so-and-so is just a, you know, is just a, is a, is a weasel of this. Not a, they're insulting each other constantly. It's like pageantry, John. It's like right. an opera, right? right. right. It's like theater. Right. Donald Trump does that. And I mean, I, I feel like people are put, so put off because of that, because they're used to this very, the Joe Bidens, essentially, the very yes. boring, the Georgia B. Bush, just reading from a teleprompter, being very boring, making eye contact, holding your thumb out like Bill Clinton. I mean, just doing the very prescribed all the stuff that's been vetted, all the stuff that is very predictable. Right. People are condi- Americans are conditioned to that, right? Right. But um, you know, Australians, a lot of Australians like Trump because their politicians are co- more a little bit more like that. Right. Whether they're on the left or the right, they're a right. little bit more like that. They're a little bit more right. bombastic, a little bit like, hey, yeah, these these guys get rowdy with each other. Right. That is a little bit of that kind of testosterone being thrown around. Right. And I think people get Americans get turned off by it, but but. And this is something that I had to get over myself. I realized, oh, this is this is just different. This is just a guy talking off the cuff. Right. 
say, oh, my God, he's firing everyone in the White House. It's like, well, listen, I mean, that's what a businessman does, or businesswoman. Right. That's, like, I've been around strong leaders. That's what they do. You they have put people in line, and right. they say, you're fired. If you're, if, you're not, if you're not doing a good job, or if you're not with me on this, then I can't, then you're done. You know, like, that, that is how business is done. That is how business is done. So it's like you can either get – you can either let it totally just, I mean, cor- corrupt your sensibility to where you have Trump derangement syndrome and you can't – oh, my God, things are falling apart. It's like, what do you mean things are falling apart? He needs to clean house. There's a lot of incompetent people, whether you, dis- whether you agree or not. There's going to be a lot of people. And government is inherently bureaucratic, which I hate. I don't right. like a committee where everyone is sort of in agreement with each other, and then right. they agree on something that is tepid and garbage. Yes, I would prefer that. I, I would prefer that there is one hard-headed individual who is at the top of the hierarchy who says, "We need to get things done. How do we get it done? Suggestions, suggestions. That okay? That's smart. That no, that's stupid. Get out of my face. <laughs> we need we need more of that, John. We right. need we need. The, and you know what? That's not nice. It's not nice, but we don't need nice. Nice does not get you. Nice is not nice does not build. You does not fix your economy. Nice does not get you out of the Middle East. Uh, Listen, example. Trump just penned his fourth historic peace agreement between a a, a Muslim country and Israel, Saudi Arabia. Right. uh, And Sudan just said to Sudan, listen, if you don't recognize Israel, as a sovereign state, listen, Israel. We know you don't like them. We don't like you. Know you don't like the Jews. We know. Well, guess what? Israel's not going anywhere. So you're gonna have to learn how to play nice. Right. He goes and says, "Listen, and guess what? Your people are starving. We we're going to have sanctions on unless you stop this. You stop funding terrorists. You stop funding Boko Haram. You stop funding radical Islamists, and you get along with Israel and you play nice with each other and you normalize relations. And you know what Sudan did? They stepped in line. They said, all right, fine. We want American help. We want, and Trump said, all right, we'll give you assistance. We'll give you aid. Right. And, and a lot of people would say, well, that's quid pro quo. You know, that's, guess what? That's how you get things done. That's right. how you get peace. There, T- Thomas Sowell said, there are no solutions, only compromises. Right. Trump understands that there are compromises. Right. And Obama, Barack Obama did not understand that. He thought that, right. yeah, well, we can all just shake hands and smile at each other and play nice, and it looks good in the New York Times, and it looks like, oh, he's so friendly. He's... Guess what? There's a lot of people out there who are bad and who want to kill each other, and if you don't hold a gun to their head sometimes, they are going to kill each other. So sometimes you have to play hardball. Right. Simple as that. Right. And you, you have to show your teeth sometimes right. in order to get the kids to not kill each other. That's just the way it is. I mean... Right. And it sound, might sound mean, but it's pragmatic and it saves lives. And right. he's pulling troops out of the Middle East because of that. And f- he's up for a Nobel Peace Prize, Johnny. Right. Trump is right. up for a Nobel Peace Prize because of this. This right. is historic. Right. And I think, you know, it's it's one of the reasons why he has his eye on China. Because he knows China wants to gobble up California, Oregon, and Washington. It's why, it's why China would, if they can, try so hard to divide the country so that Washington, Oregon, and California fall into their hands, which is actually what I think long-term, 10 years down the road, exactly what the Chinese want. They want to have allies on that West Coast. They see a vacuum. Well, they, they already do, Johnny. Right. Johnny, Hollywood is already in China's power. Right. Look at so, 
what what I find about the West Coast there is, is there is an appraisal to China. Go ahead. Right. It's they see a vacuum of virtue on the West Coast. They see land without a soul. There's so many good things, obviously, about California, Washington, Oregon, but they see a lack of identity and they see a lack of virtue and belief and virtue and conviction. And I believe they see that as the next frontier for yeah. the land in which they can, quote unquote, confiscate. Um, it's something that Trump sees. It's something that Trump knows about. It's something I think when Trump starts hearing stories after the election of Washington, Oregon, and California seceding, he's not a dummy. And he knows for a fact that this is the will of China to divide those states from the rest of the country in order to have better relations with that West Coast of power. Um, I, I, I think looking back and wrapping up this show, Sean, we have to just mention a little bit about COVID-19. And, 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 I, and I will just say this over the past 10 months, and then I'll give you my two-month prediction, then I'll let you finish, and then we'll kind of finish up the show. I will go down on record as saying this, something I believed from the very beginning, but I believed it more as time went on, that COVID-19 is a fabrication not the virus, the idea, right? COVID-19 as an idea is a yeah. fabrication used as an excuse to radically socially engineer society into computer-like programs. I know if I was important in the world, I would get a lot of hate for that statement. But I will, I will say it again with 100% conviction that after listening and reading and spending some time thinking about what went on the past several months. COVID-19 is a fabrication and it's a, used as an excuse to radically social engineer society. I will stand by those words until proven otherwise. And as for the next two months, when there's controversy on Tuesday night, and there will be controversy. Oh, without a doubt. There will be controversy. I see an election that's contested by both sides. If Biden slightly wins, Trump's side will contest. If Trump slightly wins, Biden will contest. You'll see a drop of the dollar because people don't have confidence that America has stability in its back pocket anymore. And as a result, you'll see several months in which are, I have to say, a bit of a wild card. I can't really say... I believe I know exactly what to expect, other than the fact that I do believe on paper, on paper, Trump wins this election, but I don't believe all of America will accept the, the truth that Donald Trump is elected president of the United States on Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. With all that yeah. said, Sean, I want you to tell me, wrap up the last 10 months of 2020 and give me a couple of your predictions. Wow, that's a lot there. Um, so wrap up, I guess. Yeah. Um, whoever wins, and I really hope Trump wins because I don't want to see, I, I, I view Biden as being, with regards to COVID, Biden is wishy-washy. With regards to the, the riots, Biden is wishy-washy. With regards to China, and China's growing authoritarianism around the world, their imperialism around the world, he is cowing to them. He's wishy-washy. He's wishy-washy to the globe, essentially globalist agenda, which favors authority. 
And Trump is decidedly, I mean, there's plenty of things I don't like about Trump, but he's decidedly anti-authoritarian. He's decidedly, at least in in the global level, he's very much law and order, but He's about protecting the sovereignty of, of, of this country, of America. He does, he's not ashamed to put his hand over his heart and stand for the national anthem. He's not ashamed of any of that stuff. He's a proud patriot. That's what we need right now. We need national unity. And people talk, call him the divider-in-chief. The, the reason why he's the divider-in-chief is because people hate the fact that, that he's patriotic. They really hate, and they hate the fact that he, you know, that he, calls people out, he tells jokes, he flames people. They hate that. They can't stand, they don't, they hate this, like you said, this brash, masculine figure. Because postmodern feminism and just, you know, postmodern ideology coming out of American universities, Canadian universities, hates this idea of a man, of a strong man. They want to destroy that. They view that as a, as a, as a, as a symbol of Western imperialism. Western liberal ideology, which, by the way, has given us more civil liberties and prosperity and freedom than anybody's ever seen in the history of the world. But that's neither neither here nor there. Trump is clear on lockdowns. He doesn't like them. He doesn't like stopping the economy for a virus that kills people at a 0.001% rate. And comorbidity should be the word on everyone's lips. 96% of people in America who have died of COVID have not died from COVID. They have died with COVID. They also had diabetes, heart disease, cancer, autoimmune disease, chronic problems, obesity, old age. have been pulling the wool from everyone's eyes, but yet they want the wool over their eyes. And I think, I think a lot of people woke up when they read that CDC report, if they read the CDC report, saying, oh, wow, COVID isn't really a big deal. As long as you're healthy, you're fine, right? Trump understands that. And yet the media, they don't want that. They want a contentious debate. Did you notice that the first debate got a lot of press, but the second one didn't? It's because the second one was very civil. So, and Trump did very well. So, of course, they're not going to mention it. The media can own, the legacy media, the establishment media needs to die. They need to die because they're not valuable anymore. And they want to hold on. They're in their death throes and they're saying the most insane shit. They're pushing this Russia collusion stuff. The Democrats haven't had anything to offer to the American people for the past four years except Orange Man Bad. We must impeach him. They've pushed back on everything. They have nothing to offer. The Democrats are a black hole in terms of ideas. There's a few good ones. I like Tulsi Gabbard, you know. They pushed Bernie Sanders out, though. You know, he's an outsider. I, I disagree with his politics, but I, I consider him a decent anti-establishment outsider. But this is the thing, you know. So I see it as being whoever wins, it has to be either a landslide on Either, either Biden or Trump, because if it is not a landslide, and I believe even if it is a landslide via for, for Trump, there will still be riots in major cities. And Americans hopefully will feel emboldened and say, hey, our guy won. And they will call, they will call the National Guard and say, we need to stop this nonsense. Right. I don't want riots in my city. I don't want my main street. I don't want my business in my home being burned down by a bunch of radical 
I'm tired of this bullshit. I'm tired of my. I'm tired of them saying that America ain't shit. I'm right. tired of this. Go go live in Venezuela. Get the fuck out. I'm sorry for my language, but I'm so sick and tired of these people. Right. They live in the best time to be alive, in the best country to be alive. They have the most entitlements, the most freedoms, the most economic stability, sustainability, and mobility. And they go to Ivy League schools. They are the one percent of the world, and yet they shit on America and everything that Western civilization stands for, which is uplifting the individual. So you know, I'm I'm, I'm so tired of it. And and Donald Trump, for as bombastic and as as much of a bully as he is, he understands that and he hates that. Right. He 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 banned critical theory from uh, from public curriculum. Right. Hallelujah. How get this nonsense out of the schools? This postmodern far left Marxist nonsense has been running rampant throughout public uh, uh, and private education for too long now. Stop right. it! Does Does Joe Biden know what that is? No, he doesn't know what that is. He right. doesn't know what that is. He's he's falling asleep half the time. Right. He's a puppet of the Democratic Party, and the Democratic Party has proven themselves corrupt time and time again. They did it with Hillary in 2016 when they pushed Bernie out. Donna Brazil has a whole book about it. Right. They did it again when they they did it again. Right. They did it again when they got Biden. So a vote for the Democrats is a vote for corruption. A vote right. for the establishment. A vote for the same shit. The same expansion of state powers, of wiretapping, of spying, of wars. And a vote for Donald Trump is, look at what he's done. Look at what he's done. The economy was doing great up until COVID. And then, surprise, surprise, COVID happens. And all the states start to close down, all the, you know, all the blue states. Donald Trump could, could have uh, in, inside of the Insurrection Act. He could have taken over. He right. could have used executive powers like Obama did. He could have used executive powers, but no, he's a constitutionalist. He's not an authoritarian. He's not a dictator. He's not a fascist. He said, states, you deal with COVID how you're going to deal with COVID. You deal with the protests and the riots how you are going to deal with them. We are here to assist. He offered Minneapolis and Portland and all these cities that were beleaguered by riots. He offered them the National Guard. And you know what they did? They turned them down. And people died because of that. Because of lawlessness, because Antifa was were firebombing the federal courthouse in Portland for three months. Right. People people died because of that. Because of petty politics. Right. And Donald Trump, he respected the Constitution. He could have marched in, but he said, "No, no, no, no. These are the, I believe in the Constitution. I believe in the states have the rights to govern themselves." Do you think Obama would have done that? I don't know, and I don't think so. Right. So. I guess prediction. This is my prediction. Sorry for the long-winded. Love it. I love <laughs> run it. Around. Love it. So my prediction is um, Trump takes it, but mail-in voting becomes a, a, a shit show, and the Democrats sue because they believe the election was a fraud, even though Donald Trump wins handily. Right. And the Democrats spend the next four years as they did the last four years saying that it was, instead of Russia collusion, well, yeah, they'll probably say it was Russia collusion because they can't get their minds off of the, off the Russia is their whipping boy, right? Right. Russia is, even though, even though, even though China is far greater threat than Russia, Russia is a second banana, right? right. Russia is not a world superpower like it used well, to be. Well, and real but, quick, before I, before I add, it's something mm-hmm. you'll never hear in mainstream media, you won't hear in movies. 
one of the reasons why the left really hates Russia is for better or for worse, it's a very now after the Soviet Union, if anyone knows the history of the Orthodox Church, mm-hmm. a pro-God, pro-masculine society. Mm-hmm. And what I would say to all the people out there is you will hear all sorts of opinions about Russia. But deep mm-hmm. down, if you really want to go to why the left particularly hates mm-hmm. Russia, really deep down... It's because of its traditional pro-God, pro-masculine society. You won't hear that in the media. You won't hear that in a lot of news stories. But I will say that until the day I die, that the left's motivation to go after Russia stems from Russia's return to a pro-God, to a pro-God, pro-masculine society. They have plenty of problems, Sean. I am not denying their corruption, their problems, their threats to other places in this world. But what I'm trying to say is the real motivation is not corruption, is not because they think Putin is a dictator. The reason why the left views them as a threat is because of that strong stance they take to a pro-God, pro-masculine society, something that they'll never admit. So I would say, and I'd go one further and say, the, the Russia reneged on its Soviet utopia, right? They were the poster child. The Bolsheviks were the poster child for the socialist communist experiment, right? And the left views that as, as they see Russia going into this hyper-masculine, Capitalism, all of this, all of these things. Correct. A return, they, a return, a return view, to capitalism is the sin. Correct. Yeah. A return to capitalism, a right, return to right. the church, a return to the tradition, traditional a re- values, a return to is, God. Correct. Mm-hmm. And this is this is an interesting thing, John. I'm, I'm going to go off track a little bit. I was talking with a friend about this today. I'm, and I agree with you 100, percent and I'm an atheist, right? The thing that I see that is so infuriating about so many about the, the the far left is it is a secular religion at this point but this is the thing with religious people who believe in a god who believe in a deity their limit is that deity right they won't go past a certain point i mean listen there's plenty of religious fundamentalists out in the world right but the the average religious person a person like you right the at least in the western world The average religious person has a set of morals and ethics that they believe are an edict of God, and they don't go past that. There is is a barrier to to barbarism, essentially. There is a barrier, and there's a way that you conduct yourselves. The religion religion of the left, the religion of of a, a, a secular religion does not have a deity. The deity is you. The end of you. These people view themselves as gods. They believe that they are the ultimate moral authority of everything, and that is why they feel entitled to join Antifa and to hit somebody in the head with a bike lock, right. because they believe that they are the, the righteous ones. They believe that they are the they are the ones who are right. They don't have a stopgap measure, John. They don't have a roadblock that tells them, whoa, 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 slow your roll. You need to humble yourself a little bit. Right. But it, but Christians have that. Pe- religious people have that, you know. And and this and are you? I mean, 
I'll argue with religious people all day and night about about uh, the existence of God. But one thing that I can absolutely agree with them on is that they have a sense of ethics. And that's a very important, necessary thing that we need in this day and age. Right. And that is absolutely why, what, I mean, one of the main reasons why the left despises Russia and they look they look at them as their whipping boy constantly and why they will be blamed for fraud, even though there's no evidence of it. They will be blamed if if Trump takes the election. They will be blamed for meddling, and the Democrats who have nothing to offer right now—they have nothing to offer except Orange Man Dad. Right. That's right. all they have. And I believe that if Trump, I I think that he's going to take it. I think he's going to win, and I think it's going to be kind of a mess with mail-in voting. Right. Uh, and the Democrats will sue because of that, and they will foul up the system for the next four years. And, uh, I mean, the government, you know, essentially, I don't think it's going to slow Trump down a whole lot because I think the Senate's going to remain Republican. Right. Uh, and, and the Congress is going to remain Republican. So, but those are my predictions. And unfortunately, riots are going to continue. But if Trump wins and if it's a, if it's a, it's, it's a serious victory, I think that the, you know, Antifa is not going to have as much steam because they're going to crack down on them now. Right. Cities are going to say, all right. And COVID, John, it's going to go away. Right. COVID is going to be a thing of the past. Do you know why? Because guess what? The, the stakes are high. There's no stakes anymore. Right. We already have a president. Guess what? We can't overhype COVID anymore. Right. So it's it's no longer a card in the deck. So right. I believe that things will start to go back to normal. There will be some pain. There will be some riots right. until people eventually get sick and tired of it and say, screw this. I want to live my life. I don't want to get a brick thrown through my window because because I'm a white man. You right. know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I And I think all eyes are going to be on America on Tuesday because I think there's people in Spain, there's people in France, there's people in the UK that believe in popular sovereignty, that believe that freedom freedom comes first and safety comes second. And they're going to be silently pulling for Trump because of the symbol that he represents, whether it's him uh -huh. taking off a mask and seeing his supporters, uh -huh. give me freedom or give me death. That yeah. type of message is something that I think... They are they are hungry for. Um, yeah. I, I would I would just say that from a strategic standpoint, I just hope that people who are kind of like middle of the road Republicans who will vote for Trump, but once they see that Biden wins, even if they saw corruption, they're very tempted to be like, why doesn't Trump just give up his presidency? Mm. Even though even though there's massive evidence of corruption. The argument that I will make for why Donald Trump should hold on to that White House as long as he can is because please, please don't be naive and think that they're going to stop just as yeah. long as Trump gives up the White House. Right. I think you made a good point today, and that was that they smell blood. Where they see Trump say something, make a speech, concede admit that he lost the election and that he's going to back down. They're not, and I repeat this again, they are not going to stop. They look at him as a person, as a symbol in which doesn't need to be removed from the White House, but, be, but needs to be whipped and made of an example of. And so right. all I can say about that to Donald Trump never will be his advisor but I will say this if I was in the room with him. Understand that they're not going to stop today. 
They're not going to stop going after you. And you have a duty and a responsibility to make sure that you do what you believe and know is right and true. Whether that means, obviously, that's going to mean good for you or bad for you in the future. And really, that's that's all I got to conclude with. <laughs> that's good. You know, you know and I, I guess I, I kind of wanted to throw this in there at the end because I was thinking about it. But the world needs, I mean, Americans especially, we need positivity right now. Right. You know? um, we need positivity. And all I see from the left is negativity and just ungrateful hatred of each other and just complaining and no positivity. Even you know, watch the you watch the DNC, and it's just like the or the, uh, the the yeah the the Democratic uh, convention a few weeks ago, and it's like this is so pathetic. It's just like bad SNL humor, a bunch of like you know just rich baby boomers like laughing at each other's jokes. It's pathetic. And then you watch the Republican one, and it's like. Rah rah, you know. Let's sing. They they freaking sing opera, and they you know, and they and they hold their hands over their hearts. It's like it's super like over the top and ridiculous, but it's got this, you know. And then you watch clips of like uh, Trump rallies, and it's super. It's like a rock. It's like a rock concert, you know. Right. Reddit, the 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 Donald Reddit uh, thread got taken down, so they made their own website called the Donald Win. And, and I, saw, I, I opened up an account because I was like, I want to see what Trump supporters say. I want, and Johnny, the guidelines, right in the beginning it says, this is pro-Trump, that no hate speech is allowed. They're literally saying, like, yeah, no, no racism, no homophobia, you know, like, no, don't be, like, don't be, don't be an asshole. Right. All pro-Trump stuff, positivity only, if you love America, come, and it's like, Oh wow, this kind of goes against the whole like a uh, 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 caricature, the stereotype of Trump people as being oh they're racist and they're no. Right. You go onto the you go onto the forum, and it's jokes about CNN and it's jokes about Chris Cuomo and it's jokes about Nancy <laughs> Pelosi and it's like and it's like memes. It's 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 uh, uh, Pepe the Frog memes and Trump memes and it's like you read it and you go and you're like this is funny. I'm laughing. Right. This is really funny. It's it's Gavin McGinnis memes and all kind of Tucker Carlson memes. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun, John. And then but then you go on to Reddit and you go on to like you know Dem- Democrat. I mean, it's basically just a left wing cesspool. Twitter is, and, um, uh, Facebook is, and it's so depressing. And it's so just like bleh, everyone. It's like everyone's dead inside. Right. But then right. You, and then it's like I just go over. I'll go to the Donald Win dot Win just to have a few laughs. And it's like. I don't see any, I don't see, there's no negativity. Like, I don't see anyone saying anything against black people or against Muslims. Like, nothing. Right. It's just like, yeah, go America. You know, like, we're great. We're number one. And it's like, it's silly and it's goofy and it's fun. And I think a lot of Americans need that right now. Like, we right. need to laugh. Right. We, we need, John, we need to be able to laugh without a blue-haired uh, they-them standing behind us going, that's, that's problematic. That's right. funny. You're not allowed to say that. Right. Right. That's a great way to end it, Sean. Um, I couldn't have done the job that you did. <laughs> but it, it's great stuff. I'm glad we got it in. An hour and 20 minutes in. Uh, wow. It'll definitely be something that I'll keep. I'll post. Uh, we had a good time. And uh, any any final thoughts? Um. I, I, I've talked. Too Go to bed. Time. Go to bed. It's one thirty in the morning. 
Yeah, buddy. Happy Thanks, November. <laughs> oh, brother. All right, man. Well, hey, we'll be in touch, and uh, that's the show. And um, I'll probably call you a day after election. <laughs> yes, well, I'm sure we'll do a show regarding the results. Correct. For sure, for sure. Sounds good, man. Oh, uh, brother. All, All right. right. We'll talk soon. Definitely. Good stuff.